Tessa Fox, and this is Spotlight on Broadway Radio. With us today is Jennifer Ashley Tepper, the Director of Programming at 54 Below and the author of the Untold Stories of Broadway book series. Uh, Jennifer is also the Associate Producer on the new show, The Parisian Woman, which just opened on Broadway. Just before The Parisian Woman opened, we caught up with Jennifer on a late night phone call. Have a listen. So with us today, we have Jennifer Ashley Tepper, who is, uh, everyone knows from 54 Below and organizing all of the reunion concerts, but she's also making her Broadway debut as an associate producer of The Parisian Woman. Jennifer, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. Or I should really say tonight, because it's uh, 1130 <laughs> at night. What has your day been like? You, you posted that you've been writing cards for The Parisian Woman, you've been catching shows, and now you're getting home very late. So what has your day been like? Um, you know, talking this late, actually, it feels very old school to me. Like when, you know, artists would meet journalists at 1130 at like a cafe, like talk about their show. Um, We open the Parisian Woman tomorrow. So a lot of my day has been about that, about things like opening night cards and making sure everything's in line for opening, um, which is really exciting. And then I've had kind of a crazy day of other things. I actually did an interview for my fourth book this morning with Stacey Mindich, the producer of Jared Hansen, uh, which was great. Um, and in between did a lot of work on, um, you know, Fine Fans 54 Below shows. Uh, every week is 16 to 18 shows, and every week I book 16 to 18 shows for the future. So there's never a dull moment. When do you sleep? I mean, oh, my gosh. You know, usually I'm like, oh, you know, you know, efficiency tips and priorities. But really, I feel like for the past month, I have like not had time to sleep at all. Oh, my God. Sounds like it. So can you tell me, how did you get start? uh, How did you get involved with the Parisian woman? Sure. Uh, The owners of 54 Below are actually um, Richard Frankel, Tom Bertel, Steve Roosh and Mark Rouse. Um, who are producing partners, um, and Steve, Tom, and Richard have been producing partners for over 30 years and done, you know, dozens of Broadway shows, off-Broadway shows. Um, And part of my, um, you know, partnership with them as a creative and programming director at 54 Below um, and I've also started to be involved in their producing activities. So uh, the Parisian Woman, you know, they've been leading the development on that, um, and we've been involved with the play for two uh, little over two years, um, been working on it creatively. Um, and so they brought me on board, which was really wonderful. And I love working with them in a new way because they're fantastic um, colleagues. Uh, they brought me on board um, to work on it, you know, in terms of, you know, I've been in auditions, I've been involved with ad meetings, I've been involved with, you know, all the basic things that producers are involved with on a day-to-day basis um, alongside them for this show. And what has the experience been like, uh, be getting all hands, on, getting your hands involved, and being, you know, hand very hands on with this? What's it been like? It's been so great. It's such a terrific play, and I really think um, you know, it's incredibly timely. Um, it's obviously, you know, it has to do with politics. I don't like to give too much away just because, you know, some people don't like spoilers like I don't. Um, but it, it's very, you know, it speaks to the time we're in now. And Uma Thurman plays a very strong woman who, um, you know, has to deal with a lot in Washington. I'll say that. And um, who follows, you know, the beat of her own drum. And 
it has a lot to say about where women are in 2017. So I thought the play was very amazing. And one really interesting thing has been seeing how it's evolved um, over the past two years, as obviously a lot of things have happened politically that would impact the characters in the play. So that's been interesting. Um, as, you know, associate producer, one of the things that's funny to me um, is that, you know, I've worked on four Broadway shows um, not as an associate producer, but, you know, I've worked for the producer of the show as his marketing director or, you know, I've been the assistant director or, you know, I've had all these different titles. But what's really funny is that when you're working on a show, just like when you're working on a show in a basement, it really is like, hey, you're good at this. Come help with this thing. It's, it's very much, um, you know, all hands on deck. Not like I would move a lawn chair in a scene if there was one, um, you know, because I'm not union, not that kind of all hands on deck. But um, you know, so things that I did on shows like Godspell, which I worked on, um, you know, handling, you know, talking to investors and, and creating events for the show. It's not so different, even if your title's different. Um, that's just like an interesting thing about theater. And that's just been my experience with the shows I've worked on so far. I haven't really, um, you know, been in any room, any rooms that I wasn't in already. I've just kind of gotten, you know, to that ne- next level as far as like having the producer title. Yeah, so I know, I remember we talked years ago when you were working on Godspell. How have the responsibilities changed uh, with the new title and with, you know, the new role that you're taking on now? Um, Well, what's interesting is, uh, as an associate producer, you know, the producers have kept me very much in the loop about um, making decisions about all the things that producers make decisions on, um, from casting to financial decisions um, to, you know, marketing decisions. So I've been part of those conversations, I would say, maybe in a, a slightly more active way. Um, and, you know, on shows like Godspell that I did where I had, you know, a role in the marketing department, um, you know, there were times when I did things like that, but it wasn't technically part of my job. So it's just, I mean, it's these like little subtle differences. And it's also, you know, musicals obviously have different responsibilities than plays. Um, and then what's the weird thing is, is, you know, like we all work on projects that aren't necessarily like the front thing on our resume or the first thing in our bio, but which we work on like a lot. Um, and I think that's like, you know, I've had shows that friends have written or been in that I've like been there giving notes all the time or like, you know, helped in a very hands-on way that aren't necessarily like a credit I have. So I just think in theater, it's like really um, malleable in a way that people don't expect. Um, that said, it's been, you know, it's been really interesting to get to the level of, you know, being an associate producer in terms of just like the conversations that I've gotten to I like trying to think of a good example. Um, well, you know, we did, we had like a, a round of auditions that I was part of that Uma was actually present for reading with some of the actors and being part of some of those conversations. You know, I've never been in that room before um, with the producers and the casting director and the director, Pam McKinnon, and, you know, the star kind of having these conversations about the direction the play is going to go in artistically based on if we cast this person or that person. So that's something that certainly, you know, is, new to me and was very exciting and like artistically interesting. Um, But I think each play kind of brings its own jobs. And again, it's like, even if your title isn't this, you might get to do that if you like jump in. Excellent. So you've been involved in the Broadway industry since you were a toddler or so. How does it feel (laughs) to finally have your name in a Broadway playbill with the new producer right next to it? (laughs) 
It's really great. You know, I am so like passionate about what producers do in making shows happen. Um, and I was like very delighted to have like a bio for the first time because I've, I've had like, you know, my name, but not a bio. So like that little next step. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's so thrilling. And honestly, it's just like exciting to be part of it. Uh, I was really excited when our show uh, when we figured out that we'd be going to the Hudson um, because it's like both the oldest and the newest Broadway theater. So getting to spend time at the Hudson and, um, you know, they have such a great team like over there at ATG that run the theater that know everything about it and that it's like so it's re- refurbished and renovated, but in a way that like pays absolute tribute to what it originally was. It's such an amazing space. Um, so to kind of spend time working on the show at the Hudson has been like a special bonus. Speaking of historic theaters, shifting gears a little bit, you got to take a rather remarkable tour the other day. Oh, my God. Did I ever? Could you tell <laughs> um, us about now, that? We're doing this uh, Legs Diamond 30th reunion concert, Legs Diamond being um, a underappreciated musical from the late 80s by Peter Allen and Harvey Firestein that involved, um, you know, a slew of like incredibly talented people who have not ever, you know, gotten back together for any kind of reunion concert and are doing so at Fine Place 54 Below on Sunday. And so I've been talking to them about doing this for months and months and months. Um, and they are such a special group. And they talked to the people at the Times Square Church which of course used to be the Mark Hellinger Theater where the show played before it was handed over to the church. Leg Salmon was actually the last show to play there. Um, And they connected with some people at the church who let the original cast members and myself all have this extensive tour. Um, And the Mark Hellinger, which I should call the Times Square Church for, you know, clarity, uh, it's also like it's it's kept the theater in such remarkable shape it's gorgeous i mean like you can walk in it's on you know 51st street and see it um during a church service and it looks exactly like it did in the like photos of my fair lady when that was there in the 50s so it's a beautiful space and i got to walk around with them and you know they were all reminiscing and saying oh my god remember when this happened in tech and we were sitting right there or oh my god this was my dressing room and like what is it now and opening the door Um, And we were all like, you know, making Follies references and it was just very surreal and really cool um, because they all, you know, had such a time together and and coming back together to reminisce about that and also sing the songs is special. And then to add on top of that, like a tour of the Hellinger is kind of incredible. Like what other business does stuff like that? You know, none of them had been in there since the show closed. So it was pretty crazy. That is awesome. And yeah, you described it as being like Follies. The reunion concerts that you're organizing, does that all feel like a bit follies to you or to the cast? (laughs) Definitely. And it's my like absolute great privilege that, you know, I felt the other night a little bit like how I felt, um, you know, when the original cast of Merrily kind of adopted me as their mascot um, in certain ways over the years as I've been writing about them and doing projects about Merrily with them. Um, And I felt a little bit similar like like Diamond mascot the other day, but it's like really special to get to bring these things back and, you know, celebrate them and show new people who didn't get to see them the first time what they are. And it's just like a thing that, you know, only theater can do. Like you can't really reunite the cast of a movie and like redo the movie. Like there's nothing else like that. Um, And it's really, I mean, it's like a, 
tribute to like the you know intangible nature of like what theater is it's it's so beautiful to have these reunion concerts um and of course a lot of them are shows that didn't necessarily get their like due and the first time so there's kind of like a a sense of closure and, and celebration that i think is like really special to people who um, you know, maybe didn't feel like the show was appreciated as much as it could have been. Um, and we've gotten to do dozens at 54 Below, um, and not just reunion concerts. We obviously do, like, a lot of musicals and concerts that, um, you know, have new casts, and sometimes those have a similar aim. Um, I was just thinking about, we did a show called A Broadway Musical, which closed on Broadway in the 70s, um, and we did it in concert at 54, and Charles Strauss was one of the writers, um, and he came to the concert, and he was so moved that he, like, stood up in the audience at the end and made a speech just about how he was so glad that, like, more than 40 years later he finally got to sit and watch it with an audience that like was enjoying it and like it worked in certain ways because of the way that the concert happened and you know those like full circle moments for creators and casts are like really special and you know letting those audiences have the once in a lifetime experience of you know seeing something like that so it's kind of it's one of my favorite things I get to do at 54. You've done a bunch of them have they gotten easier to organize and to pull together or does each one present its own challenges? You know, it's funny, like, I've been at 54 for over four years now. And, you know, it never gets easier in terms of what the challenges are. And, you know, it's, it's always like, we know we have this many seats, we know that if we do this, this will happen. But there's still like the fact that you're putting on a show with people, and there's a certain alchemy of people that happens, um, and of rehearsals and of creative, you know, decisions that can never quite be predicted. Um, and of course, like all of these shows that we're talking about, like reunion shows have just like a huge group of people and it's not a large space. So there's like just a lot of logistically things that can, um, you know, be complicated if you've not done it before, which in each of these cases, like a lot of the actors won't have ever done it before. So it always poses unique challenges. Um, but I'm happy to say that one of the challenges is not getting people excited about it because we've been able to kind of cultivate this audience of um, people that like underappreciated musicals and appreciate them for lack of a better word. Um, and I think, you know, because of the, if it only runs a minute concert series that um, I started seven, eight years ago that celebrates those, I kind of had this groundwork to like take off from to do full musicals and concert of these shows. Um, so each one has unique challenges and each one it's like, so rewarding and so like this can never happen exactly in this way again and we're so glad we did it what is the best behind the scenes story from one of the reunion concerts <laughs> you know i always think about we did a, a reunion of the original cast of smile which is definitely a favorite of mine um written by you know howard ashman and marvin hamlish um and it was honestly like all of those women were, you know, either in their late teens or early 20s when they did the show and having them come back together in rehearsal and like doing that show with them. It felt like I was like a fly on the wall at like a high school reunion and a summer camp reunion, but it was like a Broadway reunion. Like it was so fascinating to see the ways that like you know like we all even if you weren't on smile on, in smile on broadway like you have those like camp friends or school friends that you like reunite with and you all act like you're 16 and just like watching this group of women who are a generation older than me just like become 16 again and like squeal over things that they remembered and like it, it was so touching and like cool to be a part of um and just like really like tells you how wonderful theater can be like even when the show 
you know, caused some disappointment and it didn't run for as long as they wished they could. Like they have these friendships and these connections that um, both to each other and to the writers and um, that like last and are formative and are important. And that was like really lovely to see with the smile gang. So you've got Legs Diamond coming up this week, uh, this coming weekend, uh, two performances on Sunday the 3rd, then Sunday the 10th, it's the story of my life reunion concert with the yes. original cast, Will Chase and Malcolm Getz, and you, how wonderful that you get to reunite the entire Broadway cast of that show. <laughs> I know, you know, I saw it um, at Good Speed. Uh, and obviously, you know, not obviously, I guess, because, you know, but on, on Broadway, I thought as well. So I'm really excited to have that. And, you know, we had Lennon earlier this year, which was like yes. a hugely important show to me as like a 19 year old who was obsessed with it and rushed it all the time. And, and everyone in it was like heroes to me. So, um, yeah, we've had some really cool ones this year. Um, we have Drowsy Chaperone coming up in January. It's the kind of thing where um, people are like, why haven't you done this one yet? And I'm like, well, we have to wait for like the exact right moment for, you know, this person and that person to be available. Um, but I will say there's one that we haven't announced yet that I unfortunately can't say what it is, but uh, it's definitely finally happening in July with like five of the six original cast members. And I'm so psyched to announce it soon, but there's always stuff like in the pipeline like that. So volume four of untold stories, what has that process been like? Again, is that process getting any easier now that you've already got three books out or is it still unique and scary for each interview you go into? <laughs> I think, you know, it's not scary anymore, which, you know, is nice. Uh, just like I, I know what I'm doing, but as far as, you know, with each book, I try to tell the most complete story that I can about eight different theaters. Um, and so that involves making sure, you know, I'm interviewing, make sure you have a stagehand from the 1950s, make sure you have, you know, a female playwright from this theater, like make sure that you're representing this show, which ran for a while here. So um, it's the kind of thing where there's always challenges as far as exactly who to interview and about exactly what that's going to like accurately tell um, you know, a story and also, you know, give readers a lot of perspective on different things. Um, and, you know, with each book that happens, I have a different idea of, uh, oh, it would be really nice to, you know, tell more about what the box office does or, oh, like, let's talk more about parody and theater and about, um, you know, what was happening in the seventies when more women were getting hired in this job. And, and so like those things come up as priorities. And then there's the challenge of, you know, telling that story well, um, and, you know, talking to people and finding out things that I didn't know I needed to know and then exploring them a little bit more deeply. So um, right now, I'm, you know, I'm working on book four and I've done, I think, about 12 new interviews for it so far. Um, and I've started to, you know, work on each chapter and, and figure out what each chapter is going to be. And um, it's just an interesting, like, puzzle, no matter what. And I think um, for all six books, it'll be a puzzle and a, have kind of similar challenges. Which theaters are covered in this book? Um, you know, we haven't announced them yet, um, so I can't actually say, but I will say I have been working um, a lot on the Imperial chapter. So I'll, like, drop that. <laughs> the Imperial is in book uh, four uh, because, you know, I've talked to so many people about the Imperial over the years, and the chapter right now, it's like it could be an entire book. So right now I'm tearing it down um, and then also figuring out kind of like which parts of it I need more information on. Um, I just edited this like incredible story from Donna Murphy, which the interesting thing about the process for this book is the 
the largest amount of interviews that I did, like the huge majority I did in 2013. And so, you know, I was just editing a story from my interview with Donna Murphy, but it's from 2013, but it's about uh, the Imperial and like her experience there with uh, they're playing our song and with Edwin Drood. And it's incredible. And I like was flashing back to her telling it to me in 2013, but I haven't thought about it since. And now I'm like, oh, this is a cornerstone book four. Uh, so it's kind of like time traveling to the 70s for they're playing our song and to the 80s for Drood, and then also to myself in 2013. Um, it's like a very surreal thing, writing the books in that way. Are there any stories that you've had to cut for space reasons from the books that you could share here? You know, the space reason thing, mostly I find that it's my fault because um, and, you know, you have to cut some stuff and things that, you know, make sense. But um, I'll become obsessed with specific things about a theater. And then I'll kind of want to ask anyone that wor- ha- has worked there about it. And, like, you only need so many people telling you about the safe that's backstage at Studio 54. So, like, I'm like, oh, I talked to 12 people. They all said the same thing about the safe. And then also, like, I found more information myself that I actually, like, tell and so we probably only need like one person introducing him and me telling what it was which is super interesting but it's just funny to me that I'm like oh my god I'm obsessed with this like secret door in the theater tell me about it and then everyone tells me about it but it's the same thing and sometimes that's kind of a cool thing right like if someone who worked there in 1980 is telling you about the safe and then someone who worked there in 1987 or whatever um and it's the same thing like that has a place um but somewhat it ends up being repetitive so things like that get cut and then also i think um certain things where you're just like oh this doesn't it, it doesn't fit what they're talking about or like you know someone will tell a really interesting story and oftentimes you know i don't delete it i just kind of put it in a file that's like this wasn't about the imperial this ended up being about you know a tryout they did in Boston of another show and it doesn't have a place right now. I'll keep it in the file. Um, maybe there'll be like a, a book seven of just like lost tidbits because sometimes they're pretty interesting, but they don't make sense within what the story is. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time on this. Uh, oh my God, it's almost opening night now for the Parisian woman. So you yes. better get over to the theater. <laughs> thank you really so much funny. for taking like the time. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and break legs and look forward to seeing you at 54 Below. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye.